All right, let's turn in our Bibles to two scriptures, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. Then I'm going to ask God to help me. <laughs> Isaiah 30, 19 to 21. Isaiah 30, 19 to 21. All right, let me go. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner any more. But your eyes shall see your teachers, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. Let's just quickly go through to the end. Revelation, Revelation chapter 2. And I'm going to be reading one verse. I'm going to be reading verse 7. To verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. All right, let me repeat it. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Let's pray for his Father God, thank you for the time we can share around your word. I pray that you'd give us ears to really hear what you are saying. At the end of the day, that's what really matters. Not only ears to hear, but hearts that will carry it out, Lord. We know that what you have for us is for our benefit. We thank you that you are our loving Heavenly Father. And we receive your word today. In the name of your precious Son, Yeshua. I mean, very often the Lord, it is reported, used that expression. He who has ears, let him hear. Let him who has ears, let him hear. A teaching or whatever, parable, and then he'd say, let him who has ears, let him hear. Now, everybody's got ears, right? Do you understand? Everybody has got ears. But... The point is that even though you and I hear, we might not really hear. Do you understand? Even though we hear, we might not really hear. There's a hearing and there's a hearing. And he was encouraging people, those who are hearing him, and through the ages, you and I, to really hear. Now, I'm just going to be speaking on that this morning. But before I do, I just need to set the stage. The reason being that, you see, most Christians, I'll be very honest with you, know that scripture well. We all know that we're supposed to hear and obey. I mean, the pastor who established the biggest church on the earth, Yongi Cha, with the help, by the way, of his praying mother-in-law, that church was built on his mother-in-law's intercession. Did you know that? So for information, a woman helped build the biggest church in the world. But anyway, they would always ask him, what's the key to your success? Well, he never said his mother-in-law. <laughs> well, then maybe that's the answer. But what he would always say very simply is, I hear and I obey. Very simple. I hear and I do. That's all. You see? How more simple can it get? Now, we all know that, don't we? The key is just to hear and do. But what's wrong? What's missing? Well, let me explain what's missing. What's missing is most of us don't really know how to hear. I mean, we don't really know how to pick up that voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. I mean, there are a number of reasons for that, which I'll talk about. But you see, what we've got to grasp is that this ability to hear his voice is critically, critically important. Critically, critically important. Especially 
considering what we are going into in the next year or so. All right, now, I, you know, I always speak about a prophetic anointing. When I was a young man, I was so excited about one day becoming a prophet of God, you see. A good friend of mine, he's in the ministry now, when I said to him, you know, I think he was my pastor, I think I'm called to be a prophet. He said to me, sit down and shut up. <laughs> sit down and shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. He's quite right. I didn't have a clue. All right, now I rue the day. You might say, Graham, isn't it wonderful to serve God? It is wonderful to serve God. Let me hasten to add. Whether it be digging trenches for the toilets, whether it be sharing the word, whether it be having a whole tribe of children sit on top of you, <laughs> whatever you and I do for God is a glorious thing. Amen? Amen. However, when it comes to this prophetic anointing business, if I can call it that, I hesitate to call myself a prophet, dear God. But the problem is, as I've said before, with that anointing, you know that you know that you know. Does that make sense? You just know that you know that you know. And sad to say, very often, what you know that you know that you know, you wish to God you didn't know that you know that you know. You understand? You wish to God you didn't know. Rather, just <laughs> let it happen. Lay it on me sort of thing. But the problem with that is, you see, God says he does nothing without doing what? Telling his prophets beforehand. Are you hearing me? Why? God loves people and he likes to warn them, tell them what's happening. Tell them what's going to happen. That's what he did with all the great prophets in Israel's time. He raised a prophet after a prophet to warn them, to tell them, to just try and stop what was going to happen. Jeremiah, a case in point, the weeping prophet. My soul, what that man had to go through to try and get this message through to Israel. But what did Israel do? <laughs> anyway, but the point is God wants to warn us, and that's the message this morning. But we've got to learn how to hear. And the reason I'm talking about learning how to hear, because the Lord is saying that although these things are going to happen, there is a way through. Amen? There is always with God a way through, no matter what. But you see, finding our way through is totally dependent on us being able to hear, not just listen, to hear. You see, we've got to be able to hear. We've got to be able to discern that voice behind us telling us this is the way. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. This is the way. Walk in it. You see? And what I'm going to explain to you, if you understand, it makes it so imperative that you and I will have to do it. Because hearing his voice is not like just picking up the phone. Amen? It's not just like that. It requires effort. It requires effort. But you see, if we don't have a reason for the effort, we won't pay the price. Amen? That's why the Lord said it's difficult for wealthy people to come into the kingdom. Why? I've got it all together. I don't need any help. Amen? I've had occasions where people wanted help when they found out what it cost, said, no, we don't want the help. All right? Until they became desperate, then they wanted the help. How do you work that one out? Well, it's quite obvious, isn't it? We've got to be hungry. But you see, why God wants me to share what I'm going to share now is so that you and I realize the desperation of the times. If anything, that we will not be lackadaisical. You and I, <laughs> brother and sister, right now, cannot afford to be lackadaisical. Amen? So let me just spell it out, all right, in real terms. As you might know, at the end of next year, 2024, America will be holding what they call the presidential elections for the incumbent of the White House. Now, as you all know, there was quite a turmoil last time they had this in 2020. 
And unfortunately, what was imposed upon us was an imbecile that operates as a puppet for what I will call the cartel. All right. Now, you might say, oh, Graham, are you a conspiracy theorist? Well, for your information, I'm a common sense individual, and it's no longer a conspiracy theory. There's proven fact, all right? It's proven fact. It's out in the open. Amen? And please, how would 81 million people with all intelligence vote for a complete idiot? Please, how on earth does a complete idiot get more votes than has ever been got for a presidential candidate in the history of America? He didn't even go out of his basement. And when he did have a rally, there were maybe 30 people. And I used to wonder why I got so many. <laughs> All right. Now, what happened for your information? The whole thing was rigged by this cartel. Very powerful, behind-the-scenes people whose ambition is to control the world. All right. That is what they want to do. They want to make every single person on this earth, you and I, complete slaves. Because then they are in control. Now, listen. To do that, they will do anything. They have no fear of killing people. They don't bother about it. There are no rules for them. And you might say, well, how stupid to have control of a whole lot of people and you've killed half of them. Well, you see, the truth of the matter is they are deceived themselves. Because although they think they're controlling everybody, they themselves are being controlled by guess who? You know who? And what his plan and purpose is to destroy humanity. Did you know that? He hates humanity. Why? Because we took his place in God's eyes. And his desire is to destroy entire humanity. He's using these clowns. And when they finish doing it, his plan is to kill them. Do you get it? So they're more fools than anybody else. But you see, the truth of the matter is, a lot of people have wised up to this at this moment in time. And the only significant population block that stands in their way right now are the good Christian people, the middle class people by and large that live in the United States of America. They're the only block that is powerful enough to actually stop them. And the person that represents them at the moment is your excellency, <laughs> Sir Donald Trump. Yes. Right? Now, please, that's why the man is going through such hell, because they want to get rid of him. All right? It's totally immoral. It's totally illegal. But they don't care. They don't care. They want to destroy not only him, but all the people that he represents, which is good, God-fearing men and women like you and I. Amen? And that God-fearing block of men and women is getting more and more louder by the day. No matter how much they try, this whole thing is not working. All right? Now, they've got a plan. They had a test run two years ago with COVID, as you all know. Can I tell you what their plan is? Because, you see, they're beginning to realize that they cannot swing this election again. All right? People have wisened up to it. And they slowly but surely coming to realize they cannot stop this conservative movement. Whether it's led by Donald Trump or anybody else, they cannot stop it. So this is their plan. All right? This is their plan. How do you know, Graham? I don't know. There are reports, but I just know that I know. This is their plan. This time next year, maybe a bit more than a year, say June next year, they plan to unleash on the earth a virus that makes COVID look like a shrimp compared to a whale. That's an expression, a shrimp, comparatively. That's what they want to loose onto the earth. Why do they want to do that? Can I tell you why? The thinking behind it is to make the governments of the world so unsettled and for the incumbent in the White House in America to declare that because of the state of emergency, that's what they're going to declare, a state of emergency. Because of the state of emergency, we will have to put the presidential election on hold. Can you see that? Just for a few supposed months. The moment they do that, 
guess what? There will never be another election again. And this world will be heading for what the Bible describes as the apocalypse. The apocalypse. That is the plan. We're heading straight for that. All right? That is the plan. However, can I just say that it is possible for it to be prevented? All right? It is possible. But that depends on the church of the living God rising up in strength and power in general and her prophets in particular taking the battle to the enemy. All right? Taking the battle to the enemy. We do have the power. It is possible. It is possible to put this thing off for another generation possibly even. It is possible. However, I'm being very honest, from what I've seen and our abysmal failures in the past, my hopes aren't that high. Does everybody understand what I am saying? It is possible, but it's not guaranteed. Amen? Possible, but it's not guaranteed. We must pray that it is done. So this whole thing is put off. All right? So please, that's the plan. I pray to God. I'll be so happy. I'll be so glad if come a year and a bit later and everybody turns around and says, you know, Graham, you were wrong. We always suspected that you had a screw loose, but now we know. I'll be so happy. Trust me, I'll be so happy. Because when I'm saying the prophets of God need to stand up and do their thing, and they haven't really done their thing in the past, I'm not pointing at other people all over. Guess what? It starts. So help me God. You understand? So please, folks, I wish I didn't have to say this, but that is how it is. That's what we are facing, right? That is what the plan is from the enemy's point of view. But in all of this, we don't have to be afraid. If what? We know our God and we can hear his voice and we follow him day to day. Let me tell you, if we do that, we will go right through. Think of the Lord Yeshua, our example. When he was on this earth, let me tell you, there was a vendetta against his life from day one. From day one, the devil tried to destroy him. He managed to go through all of that and go through to the end where it was time for him to go. You understand? But what was the key? He heard the voice of his father. I'll just give you a few examples. Right at the word go. Remember Herod wanted to wipe out this threat to his kingdom? Well, God spoke to Joseph through a dream. And him and Mary packed up their bags off to Egypt. All right? A whole village was totally annihilated, every child under the age of two. But he missed it. Why? The voice of God they'd heard and gone to Egypt. Do you understand? This happened time and time again. At one stage, he's preaching. He said something nobody liked. So the synagogue, they wanted to throw him over a cliff. There's over 50 people, probably 100 people. They back him up. There's the cliff. There's all these people. Rock and a hard place. Amen? Literally. <laughs> Literally. A rock and a very hard place. But you know what the Bible said? He walked through. He went right through. In that instance, God's wisdom was to just don't go back, go forward. Let's go through. How he did it, we don't know. But that's how it worked. On other occasions, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people, they wanted to take him out. And the way they tried to do it, this was the game they played. They tried to come to him with a situation where, once again, a rock and a hard place. They said to him, where do you say you come from? You see? Now, by the way, he would really told everybody who he was and where he came from. He publicly said it. But on this occasion, guess what? All the scribes are there to really write down. What were they waiting for? Him to say, I come from God. I'm God. We've got you. You think you're God. Can you see? That was the plan. And if he didn't say that, they could say to the people, you see, he isn't God. He's nothing special. Can you see? A rock and a hard place. So what did he do? God gave him wisdom. He said to them, John the Baptist, was he from God or wasn't he? You see? He asked them the question. 
and that put them in a rock and a hard place. <laughs> Isn't that clever? Because you see, if they said, no, he's from God, then he would say, well, why don't you listen to him? What he said, I am. Can you see? But if they said, no, he's not from God, all the people standing around would have turned against them because they were all for John the Baptist. Can you see how clever that was? See, they said to him, oh, we don't know. <laughs> so he said, well, you can't tell me, neither will I tell you. Can you see? Very crafty, isn't it? Another occasion, they come to him, you see, and they ask this question. Should we pay taxes to Caesar? They weren't genuinely asking that question. Once again, they wanted to catch him. Corner him, that's a very good word. You see, now if he'd said, we must pay taxes to Caesar, like that, they said, you see, you're not a friend of the Hebrew people. you actually on Caesar's side. Can you see? Turn everybody against him. If, on the other hand, he said, no, we mustn't pay taxes to Caesar, which was what they were saying, if he said that, they would have run to Caesar and said to him, you know what? This upstart is telling the people not to pay tax. Punish him. Can you see? Very crafty, isn't it? Very wicked, actually, how they tried to catch him. So what did he do? Bring me a denarius. They brought him a denarius. This is now, can you understand? He's hearing wisdom from his heavenly father. Whose face do you see on this coin? And they said, oh, we see Caesar. And he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. <laughs> Brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. And we all know, of course, the story of the woman caught in adultery. You see, once again, rock in a hard place. You stoner, you just like us. And then they would have turned on him and said, you don't really know the law. They're supposed to be witnesses, blah, blah, blah. They would have caught him. If he said, no, you mustn't stone him, mustn't stone him. They said, you see, you don't follow the law of Moses. You can't be a Messiah. Can you see that? Horrible, horrible. So what did he do? He knelt down and started to write in the sand. I believe, I'm beginning to believe it more and more, that he actually did what I call journaling, what's known as journaling. He was trying to get from God wisdom. That's what I do very often with my book over there. It's a thick book I write a lot, and that's how I can get into line with God. But that's what he did. And we all know the outcome. What did he say to them? Okay. He demonstrated, by the way, as I've said before, that he knew the law better than them. Who is without sin, throw the first stone. How clever is that? How wise is that? But you see, because of that wisdom, they all ran away. The scum that they really were. And he was able to set this woman free. But you see, he walked right through it. Why? He had an ear to hear the voice of his father. Amen? Can I just tell you, the greatest responsibility I have right here now is to teach us how to hear the voice of the father. Amen? Amen? Amen. Do you know that just by sitting in this church this morning, it could save your life? It could save your life. So listen very carefully, ears to hear. Amen. Now listen, when we want to hear God's voice, there are two things we have to do, all right? And this is so important. Because what I need to say is this ability to hear can be developed. Amen? Did you know every one of us has the ability? All right? We have it. But unfortunately, along the way, we've lost it. I thought of it like this. You know, a person... He's walked all his life, lived an active life, and then maybe he has an accident or something. And the nerves get damaged or whatever. And now he goes into hospital and they do the operation, whatever. And as soon as he comes out of the theater the next day, he has lost his ability to walk. All right? Something he's always had. So what's got to happen? He's got to relearn it. Okay? You see that sometimes if you have a stroke victim, that's the thing. And then who comes onto the scene? What my mother called the physioterrorists. <laughs> the physioterrorists. <laughs> well, you see, you've got to get going. Amen? You've got to get the circulation going. And it's quite painful to start with. That's why she was very apprehensive when they pitched. But they make you walk. You see, and you might think they're cruel, but they make you walk. They make you walk. And what happens? The skill that you had comes back to you. Can you see that? Now listen, every one of us here 
is created in the image of God with the spirit that is quite capable of hearing God. Did you know that? Every single one of you is capable of hearing God just as much as I or Janet or anybody else is. Amen? You're quite capable of doing it. Can you all just say amen? Because I can't go any further if you don't believe that. You see, you can do it. But what's the issue? We've got to relearn the skill, you see. And I've got to be now the physioterrorist. <laughs> and the pain in this case is making everybody uncomfortable, you see. But what I'm trying to say is we don't really have a choice. All right? We don't have a choice. We haven't got a choice. We do not have a choice but to learn to hear his voice. Can I say that again? We don't have a choice but to learn to hear his voice. All right. Now, there's two things we have to do. It's almost like, as I was saying to somebody the other day, drilling a tunnel. These Swiss, God put them in a country with all these Alps so that they could drill tunnels through it. They're very fond of Emmental cheese, and they want to turn all the Alps into Emmental cheese with lots of tunnels. <laughs> They've been boring through their tunnels for the last hundred or so years. Quite a great feat of engineering. But obviously, if they're going to drill a tunnel, what do they do? They don't just start at one end and go through. They have two teams working from both sides. Do you get it? And then eventually there's that breakthrough. Well, you see, God does his part. We've got to do our part in a sense. And the first thing that you and I have to do is we have to renew the mind, the way we think. Let me just say that again. This is an ongoing process of renewing the way we think. Do you know the biggest challenge to hearing God's voice is the way we've always thought. Amen. God wants to say something to us, but because we think in a certain way, we can't hear his voice. Do you understand? The voice comes and it bounces off. I'll give you the classic example, Gideon. Do you all know dear old Gideon? I love this character. Israel, because of having messed up yet again, find themselves the football of all the surrounding nations. Whenever they grew their crops, the nations would come in and steal all their stuff. So, I mean, it was a no-go. You know, their whole life was just one of hiding in caves and everywhere to get away from the Midianites and the whatever they were out there. But they had a miserable life, all right, because of their sin. But anyway, now this Gideon character is busy threshing wheat inside the wine press because it's hidden. You don't normally thresh wheat in the wine press. You normally do it outside so that all the chaff can blow away, you understand? But not this case, because of fear of the enemy, you see? And then God wants to deliver Israel, because they've been crying out to God to deliver them. And God sends an angel in this wine press, you see? And the angel says to Gideon, Thou mighty man of valor. <laughs> you know what happened to that thought? Boing! <laughs> because immediately, he starts telling the angel, oh no, no, oh no, I'm the least in my father's house. My father's house is the least in the tribe, and our tribe's the least of the... He starts on a whole litany of how useless and pathetic he is. The physioterapist says, God wants to speak to you. Who? Me? I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Have you ever had that thought? Why would God want to speak to me? Who am I? Who am I that God... And you see, when you and I dwell on that sort of thought, guess what happens to whatever God will say to you? Can't be true. Can't be true. It falls to the ground, you see. It stops us from hearing. Does everybody grasp this? For information, God would love to talk to you now because we are his children. Yeah. Hallelujah. And it's got nothing to do with our performance. We're not like earthly parents. You didn't score a try, so I'm not talking to you for a week. <laughs> You scored three tries. Come, come, my son. We've cooked a special meal just for you. Is God like that? No, he couldn't give a hoot. He wants to talk. You understand? But we've got to learn to hear. That's the big thing. So you see, our starting point is, well, let's put it this way. The point of departure is to start training our brain to think the way God thinks. Amen? Especially what he thinks of us. Amen? We've got to start changing our brain, who we are in him, in Christ. Amen? There's no condemnation in Christ. Did you know that? No condemnation at all. 
You could have murdered your mother-in-law. <laughs> the Lord won't condemn you. He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. <laughs> anyway, please, you've got to take me with a pinch of salt sometimes. But you see, there's no condemnation. If we have committed some form of sin, I know nobody here does that sort of thing. Am I right? No, nobody here commits any form of sin. You leave that all up to the pastor to do. Am I right? <laughs> That's his job, isn't it? Because he's so holy, he's allowed to. <laughs> but my point is this, you see. In the event, I'm just speaking now, in the event that this happens to any one of you. You see, you might have committed a sin. You might have done something like, you know what? Stolen a few extra sweets from the shop while nobody was looking and just put them in your back pocket and just gone through. You could have done something like that. And you come to pray. And these chocolates are burning a hole in your pocket, you see. Oh God, I can't pray to you. I better go and take them back. Well, for your information, it's good not to take them in the first place, understand? But you see, God isn't that petty. And if you're now battling with some besetting sin that we're so aware of, don't let it separate us from him. Why? Because his word says there's no condemnation in me. There's no condemnation. And the truth of the matter is what he wants to do is for you and I to go to him and say, Lord, I've sinned. Yes, I know. I know everything. But now let's talk about it and let's try and help you not to do it again. Does that make sense? You see, we've got to renew our mind to think that's the way God is. He wants to help us. But what have we got to this mentality? <gasps> I've committed the unforgivable sin. It's over between me and God. And that's exactly what the devil puts in your brain, in my brain. Did you know that? Most people in institutions, mental institutions, they are convinced they've committed the unforgivable sin. Did you know that? Most of them have that conviction that there's no hope. That's why they're there. Drives them insane. But it doesn't have to. Why? There's no condemnation. That's what his Bible says in Romans. You understand? We have been made the righteousness of Christ. God in him. In him. What? He's set us on high. There are so many promises. But what am I saying? We have the responsibility to take this piece of apparatus here and continually, 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 continually work at changing the way we think. Amen? So what? When God speaks to us, that's his voice. Hallelujah. You understand? We recognize. He says, I want you to do great exploits. Hallelujah, I'm ready. Can you see that? Not, oh, I'm the least of all. I'm not worthy. I'm a miserable offender. I'm useless. I'm not spiritual. My wife is, but not me. Have you heard that before? I hear it every single blessed day. Hallelujah. But you understand? We've got to, got to, got to continually change the brain. That's why church is so important. Can I say that again? That's why church is so important. That's why you need a clown like me to come and challenge your thinking. <laughs> Amen. Sue. Amen. My job is to change your thinking. Yes. I didn't become a circus clown so that I could do this. <laughs> I'd probably be better at it. But anyway, <laughs> you see, is it comfortable? No. Sometimes it's anal. You understand? But does that mean we must run away from it? You can't afford to. Because you know what? Can I just say this once again. If we are not changing our brains and the way we think, God cannot speak to us. He will speak to us, but we will not hear. It will go boing. Boing. God will speak to you in your car and say, don't go that way to the shops. Go the other way. And we'll say, oh, that must be because I ate pepperoni with my pizza. Boing. <laughs> but anyway, the point is this. The point is this. Can I just say this? The more you and I train our brains, the more readily we will hear Almighty God. But it doesn't stop there. Please. The next part is this. The next thing best way I can describe it is stretch. Number two, we have to change the mind, but at the same time, we need to learn how to stretch. It reminds me of that cartoon of Garfield, my favorite character. 
He's dressed in his gym outfit. You see? This is Garfield for you. And he's stretching towards the fridge where there's a milkshake. <laughs> but listen, what do I mean by stretch? Your spirit and my spirit needs to be exercised. All right? If you just ignore and allow just to lie dormant, what's the word for it? It will atrophy. And that's what happens with most Christians. They don't exercise their spirit man. When something becomes atrophied, it becomes solid because of no use. So now listen, listen. If you and I don't stretch our spirit man, it's still there, but it's not operating. Like a lot of people had to teach, you see. Their brain was there. But it wasn't exactly operating. You understand? They weren't prepared to use it. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about the school. Okay, I'm talking about teenagers. Their brain was there. I was like this myself. My brain was there, but it wasn't being used, you see. It atrophied. Now, your spirit can do the same thing. Amen? If you don't know what to do with it, we have to stretch it. What do I mean by stretch it? Can I tell you how you stretch it? You take the Word of God, you read it, and you ask questions. Amen? You ask questions. And you try and enter into the situation. Okay? You don't just read it and then go to Google to find out what it means. Amen? Google is useful. I mean, the internet is useful. But the biggest tragedy of it is it stops you and I from actually doing the work we have to do. All right? We have so much information. What is the problem? We do not stretch to find out what God is saying. I hope you're picking this up because this is life and death. All right? A matter of life and death. You see, we have to come to the place where we regularly come to something in the Word of God and we say, Lord, what are you saying to me? Stretch. You get it? And at first we might not hear anything or think anything, but we continue to do what? Meditate on it and to stretch. Put your spirit man out there and try to hear him. Try to hear what he's saying. I can't stress this enough. Let me tell you, at first it might seem a battle. But what happens? Slowly but surely, that ability to hear his voice becomes just normal. Amen? That's why I spend a lot of time doing what? That's why I like to write. I ask a question, I write it down. I say, what do you think about this? And then I wait. And I wait. And I wait. And I might hear something, I just write it down. You see? I write it down. And then the moment you do that, you start to hear something else. And you write that down. And before long, you get into what I would call the flow. Right? God's narrative. Does it mean that everything you hear is God speaking to you? Maybe not. But what is the issue? Learning how. Getting into the flow. And it becomes easier. And I can say this. The value of writing it down is because later on, you look back and you can discern. That was rubbish. That was your heart. That was what you wanted to hear. Can you see? And you discern. All right. So, my brothers and my sisters, I can't stress this enough. It's critical. You and I have got to take the time, and that's the problem. That's the enemy's trick, is it not? You are so busy, you have not got the time to do this. Well, let me tell you, you and I cannot afford not to do this. In view of what's happening, you do not have the choice. We do not have a choice, actually. You see? But it does take effort. And you see, the world system wants to cram us with information all the time, you see? All the time. And we've got so much information readily available. Oh, we read something in the Word of God and we wonder, why did he do this? And we rush to internet and find out, oh, why did he do this? And somebody gives us their advice or their thoughts, whatever. And not that those thoughts are wrong. Amen? But what hasn't happened? We haven't stretched and used that facility to find out for ourselves what God is saying. Can you see? We're not using our ability. Can I tell you something? The whole media colossus, over the years, entertainment industry has been designed 
to do one thing, not entertain. All right? Although sometimes they do. But very often, not all the time, but very often, to just supplant, especially in the minds of children, this activity of using their imagination with force-fed pre-imagination, if I can call it that. You understand? If you go to a movie and the graphics and the design and the, what do you call it, the cinematography, the everything is so fantastic. It's so, how shall I say, almost out of this world. We don't have to use our imagination anymore, do we? It's all done for us, all right? And we might say, wow, that was fantastic. And it was. Please, let's give credit where it's due. But what's the danger? We never ever used our own imagination. We never stretched with our own imagination. You see? And as a result of that, do you know what happens? This ability to imagine slowly but surely atrophies. I mean, atrophies. So we don't think of maybe reading a book and allowing our imagination to help us. We go to the movies and see what somebody else imagined it to be. Amen? And you might say, well, that's all very good. It's all very cozy. It's all very comfortable. But you know what the problem is? That very same imagination was given to you and I to help us read the Word of God, to hear His voice. Did you know that? Did you know that? When you and I enter into the stories that God has given us and we use our imagination to take us there, do you know what happens? We start to see little details here and details there. And those details, remember, a picture speaks a thousand words. Those details actually God speaking to you and I on this occasion. Amen? Amen. God speaking to you and I on this occasion. I love this example. This changed my whole thinking on healing. I've used it so many times before, but I just can't get away from it. I can't get away from it. You know that story of this leper that comes to the Lord. And please, I was dealing with this healing, this healing business for many years. And I'd studied the Bible. Please, I'd renewed my brain. Does everybody understand that? I was doing my part. And I could see so clearly that God wants his people well. It was written for me in black and white. There was no doubt in my mind. And yet, guess what? I was struggling to get something like a lot of people. Just couldn't get around it. I knew it, but I didn't know it. You understand? The man who said, I believe, but help my unbelief. I couldn't. I couldn't. That revelation, that revelation that God wanted everybody healed had not struck me, even though I could see it logically in the Bible. My mind was not resistant to it, but my heart battled to receive it. Does that make sense? Until I meditated on that scripture one day. And then I saw it. The leper comes to the Lord and he says these very words. If you are willing, you can make me clean. You notice that? If you are willing. And there's this look on this man that's been rejected his whole life. As if to say, I don't think you're really willing. Because guess what? I'm a leper and we are of no value on earth. And you're the great Messiah and you know, there's not really much hope, but I'm just giving it a go. Sort of thing. I'm just giving it a go. And with my imagination, please, God, godly imagination. Do you understand? The enemy also wants to use imagination for the wrong purpose. But with this God-given imagination, I saw the face of the Lord Yeshua. The moment I saw that face, it settled this thing in my heart forever. There was such compassion on his face, mixed with anger. You know what it was? The compassion was obviously for the man to be healed. The anger was the very thought that he would have been told by somebody that I might not want to heal him. Can you see that? That very thought made him so angry. Just to think that, that this my child, I would not want my child well. Can you see that? And I picked up the heart of God right there. I thought, you know what? You come to anybody who's sick, 
Don't even ask the question. Know that you know that God wants them well. No matter what they look like, no matter what the doctors have said, no matter nothing what your brain says, God wants them well. Amen. Amen. And that's when I saw him take him. You know, I hate this translation which said it touched him. It's almost like, oh, you're a leper, you know. Don't want to get your sickness and disease. That word touches nothing of the sort. I've described this before. It means to grab hold of with the intention of never letting go. Did you know that? Never letting go. He took him. He said, man, come here. Hmm? Come here. Took him, held him. I could see it so, I can see it so clearly. And the, the other translation of that, of that word, that same word to t- is translated to touch. Another translation is to set on fire. Isn't that beautiful? Set on fire. The power of God just set that man on fire and that leprosy packed its bags and just went. It was totally well. Isn't that beautiful? But what I'm trying to say is that, you see, I knew in my mind God wanted everybody well. But there was something in my heart which says, can't be. If you've seen children in hospital there with pipes coming out of every single way but loose, and the doctor's shaking their heads and taking the parents into the room next door to tell them the sad news, and the nurse saying, well, we've tried our best, blah de blah and you've got to look at that, and you've got to say, no, God wants the child well. Amen? It's quite difficult in the natural to do. You understand? But let me tell you, once you and I have had a revelation, you see, of what God really thinks, and how are you going to get that? Just by intellectualizing it? theologizing it, if there's such a word, not going to cut it for us. Did you know that? We have the responsibility to renew the brain. Yes, a thousand times yes. If you want to say that's theology, I'm all for it. Does everybody get that? But that in itself is not enough. We've got to stretch. That imagination can pick up the spirit of the living God and see it in our spirit man. And once we've seen it, guess what? That's it. I don't care what anybody says. I couldn't care who. I don't care how many degrees the man's got. I don't care how long he's been in ministry. I couldn't care. I know that. I know that. I know. God wants every single human being totally well. Amen. He wants nothing less. I don't know how I got onto this, but anyway, I think it's necessary. But the point is this. You see, that revelation and many others like it are waiting for you and I on a regular basis. But what is the key? We've got to learn to stretch. Amen? You cannot read the Bible like a novel. You can't. You can read it like that, but it's much more than that. You've got to sit and dwell on some of these things. Some of them are hard to understand, but stay there until you do. Wrestle with it until you do. Why? It's not just so much the knowledge that you and I gain. You understand? It's the ability. It's like when you sit in class there and the teacher gives you this algebra formula you've got to work out. Whether you work it out or not, it's not going to change the world. Amen? It's not a life-saving formula. What's the issue? The exercise of your mind. Amen? Developing the ability to solve, solve a problem. That's what's really the issue, you see? But if you say, listen, I've got a textbook that nobody else has got, and in the back of my textbook is all the answers. <laughs> so while nobody's looking, I'll just flip over, number one, two, seven, answer. Okay. <laughs> done my sum, sir. <laughs> and you'll say, well done, my boy. <laughs> well done, my boy. Everybody else is battling, but you've got it right. Well done, my boy. Have I helped at all? All of the ones struggling out there are actually doing far more for themselves than I did. You see? Same with the Bible. Oh, what is the answer to this question? Google. Pastor, this is the answer. Phew, you are really knowledgeable. Yes. (laughs) What good has that done? Nothing. Why? Because that truth won't help you at all. What will help you? An eye. Stretch. Can you see? Stretch. And I'm here to say, the more you and I stretch, the easier it becomes. Amen? 
The more you and I stretch, the easier it becomes. The more you do those sums and get them right and get them right, the easier the whole thing actually becomes. And a few years later, you look back at that sum and you think, wow, that was chicken feed. You understand? Right? Same with this business of hearing God. Two more things I've got to say before I close. The other thing is that, please, now this is where it gets slightly tricky. All right? One of the biggest hindrances to hearing God's voice is that we automatically hear what we would like to hear. Amen? Really hearing God's voice, really hearing His voice, is cultivating the ability to hear what we don't want to hear. Amen? Amen? Amen. What we don't want to hear. Sometimes I'm writing in my journal and God says something and I say, I'm not going to write that down. (laughs) 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 Amen? And then you know what he says? Write it down. Okay. Amen. Let me tell you. It's funny. It's funny. If you and I can learn to hear what we don't want to hear, then we're really hearing God's voice. Amen. A lot of what he says, let me tell you, is encouraging and good. But very often, what has he got to do? Put that finger on the issue. Amen? And you see, if we haven't renewed, you know, haven't renewed our mind, we'll miss it completely. The classic example is Abraham. I mean, this man worked so hard to have a baby. Hmm? Yeah, he worked so hard. And after a hundred years, he thought, ain't gonna happen. I mean, the wife was 90 years old. Way past childbearing. You understand? So, but God had promised him. God had promised him. Stars in the sky, sand on the seashore, so shall your descendants be. How's that? And he hoped against hope, and we all know, along comes eventually the child of promise, Isaac. All right? Now, just get the scene. Here, uh, let's put it into our context Abram is, you know, with his, his quill, whatever they had, he's journaling, you see, and he's having a lovely chat to Yahweh, his God, and then he stops, and then God says, oh, by the way, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. What? <laughs> Sarah, what did you put in that stew? <laughs> For heaven's sake. Okay, let me go ahead. Starts writing again, and then stop. Sacrifice Isaac. Just to think about it. That that word that God spoke to him went against everything that up to that moment he had believed. You understand? It went against everything. What did he do? The next morning, early. How's that? How is that? And he went on this long walk to this faraway mountain. That must have been the most dismal hike in history. Hmm? The most dismal hike in history. You're walking along with your boy. He's having fun watching the animals, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, he wonders why his dad's so quiet. (laughs) Just think about it. The promise of God, sacrifice. Hmm? The promise of God, sacrifice. What was the problem? This promise had become God. You understand? This promise had become God to to Abraham, and God had to say no. But as we all know, Abraham believed that even though I have to sacrifice my son beyond death, God can bring him back. Isn't that awesome? He had the understanding of God to believe that, to believe that, and obviously painted a picture for us of who you know who. Amen? But what am I saying? He became the father of faith. He's influenced generations for time immemorial, all because of what? He had this capacity to hear God, all right? But not hear God when God told him what he would wanted to hear. 
You understand? When God said something you didn't want to hear. Amen? I hope you're hearing me today. Because let me tell you, you and I want to hone our hearing God's skill. We have to learn to take the rough with the smooth. You understand? And there's one more thing I want to add. You see, it's all very well hearing God, hearing God, hearing God, hearing God, hearing God, hearing God. Like once I got into journaling and I was filling these exercise books one after the other, one after the other, one after the other. And then suddenly the fountain dried up and God said to me, I said, well, Lord, what's this about? You know, am I, am I not on course today? See, sort of thing. And basically what he said to me, Graham, I'm not going to say anything more to you until you do something at least of what I've told you to do. Amen? Do you understand? You see, when you and I hear from God and we determine, when we sure that it's him, please don't rush out and do everything that you think you hear. Test it. you understand? Stretch. But when you feel him saying something and you have the courage to do it, then this whole exercise becomes real. Do you understand? It becomes real. When you and I are prepared to put our neck out because of what we've heard him say, right? then God himself says, listen, this person, my child's taking me seriously. I'll take them seriously. I'll start telling him stuff that I don't tell anybody else. Do you understand? Yeah. Let me tell you, as I said before, earlier on, some things you know that you know that you know. Just because you know that you know that you know, do you think you go and blab it all the time? I know. I know. You understand? There are a lot of things that I know that I know that I know. I wish I didn't know that I knew that I knew. You understand? And I don't have liberty to talk about these things. Praise God. But can you see? It's not all roses, but that's the issue. Can you see that? In the times that we are coming into, there might be times when God tells you, don't do this, and you so much want to do it. Amen? Don't go that way. But why? Don't ask any questions. You've learned, you've tested the word, you know the word in your heart, you know what God is saying, you just say, okay, Lord, I don't understand it. And let me tell you, every time you and I do that, it will work out. You understand? You'll look back and you say, my God, I missed that bullet. Hmm? You understand? My God, the devil wanted to take me out there, but he failed. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I did that. Didn't like it at the time. Hated it at the time, but it saved my life. Is everybody hearing this? It's coming straight from heaven. I feel in my heart because God loves us. Do you understand that? It's because God loves us. He doesn't want us to perish with the rest. He doesn't want to, us to perish with the rest. A lot of Christians sad to say are going to just walk straight into this thing and wonder, where is God? Amen? Where was God? Where is God? I've trusted Him all my life. I've served Him faithfully all my life. Do you understand? Where is He? Well, he was there all the time. He was speaking all the time. He was warning all the time. But what was the problem? We got into the habit of just being force-fed, you know. Just lay it on me, O oh pastor. Lay it on me, O oh internet. Lay it on me, O oh wonderful book that I read. Oh, lay it on me, YouTube. Hmm? I'll watch the best preachers in the world. Why must I go and listen to this clown? Hallelujah. Amen. I